0: Well, safe to say, none of us were expecting that. Hello, I'm John Ellis. Welcome to episode forty-four of Petodry PS, the predominantly Don's-based podcast featuring not just the Don's first team, but a look across the age groups and genders at the club, and we focus on the respective progress of Cove and Peterhead too, as well as the northeast local representatives in the Highland League and Juniors. And not just football, but any sport making headlines in the northeast of Scotland or featuring someone from the northeast of Scotland. Joining me for this journey, as always, Dave McDermott and Andrew Shiny. So here we are, recording this episode on the morning of Tuesday, August 16th, 2022, reviewing the match against Motherwell from the weekend past and looking ahead to another away trip, this time to Perth to face St. Johnson in our next game. A 4-1 win at home to St Mirren the Saturday previous and fans buzzing on their way into Pataudry this week as Adon's played host to Motherwell, who've been struggling and only just appointed a new manager this week, having sacked their previous one before a league ball was kicked in anger. Stevie Hamill being given the chance to impress and turn things around and we wish him all the best in his endeavours, except when they're against us. This one finished 3-2 to the visitors, who were well worth all three points in the day, so far as I could see. Your thoughts,
1: Andrew? Well, before I talk about the game, uh, can I make an apology? You will remember last week after the the pyrotechnics prior to the game, uh, I was a bit critical of the speed with which the stewards dealt with the situation. Now, I have since heard that stewards are told, let the things burn themselves out, uh, because there's a the possibility there may be a sting in the tail, um, uh-huh. you know, a, an explosive device yeah. of some sort packed into the bottom of the thing. Uh, so they let the, th- the, the the flares, smoke bombs, what have you, burn themselves out, then they deal with them. So I thought I'd just set the record straight. Uh-huh. And also, it was good to see that there was no repetition of that. So oh, good. fans took on board uh, the message that came from the club and... I don't think it adversely affected the atmosphere. I thought at the start of the game, it was very good, as were Aberdeen for about the first 35 seconds of the game. And then (laughs) out of the blue, Ilber Ramadan. It was as though he'd spotted somebody... You know, pinching a pie in in the main stand, just <laughs> pinged a ball straight in the stand for no apparent reason. And from then on, there seemed to be a malaise about the side. Nobody seemed to be able to stay in their feet properly, um, couldn't find a teammate with a pass. And unfortunately, it was a collective, um, you know, really poor display I think the manager said afterwards, you can afford to carry one or two players who Mm -hmm. are below the levels that you expect. But when the entire team uh, plays below the level you expect, you're in trouble. I've got to give a lot of credit to Stevie Hamill and to Motherwell, because I thought they played the game absolutely the right way. Um, They recognised that there was... Problems down the sides for Aberdeen. Uh, they utilized Blair Spittle wide in the right, and Connors uh, on the left, Connor Shields wide in the right. That combination produced the first goal, uh, a slip from Jaden Richardson, um, but too much width given to the Motherwell players, both coming in from the left and going down the right. Then uh, thereafter, I thought Motherwell really dominated we will get an equaliser out of the blue, a superb header from Boyan Mijowski to convert a great Liam Scales cross. Two minutes into the second half, we're 2-1 up. Johnny Hayes scores scored again after good work from uh, Jaden Richardson and um, cutting in from the right-hand side. And then the, the roof fell in. And after that, there was only one team was going to score another goal, and that was Motherwell. So a hugely disappointing day all round.
0: Yeah, we, we didn't show up for a, a good half of the first half, Dave. But when we got the equaliser, which I thought was expertly headed by uh, Boyan Mioski, you started to think we might spark into life because it was a great time to equalise just before half time. We, we did come out and score again, as Andrew says, just into the second through Johnny Hayes. But even then, we never, ever felt comfortable, did we?
2: It was like looking looking at different players, but same, same old thing, problems yeah. that eluded us last year. Um, you know, I, I was looking on in. Quite frankly, amazement. As as Jim Goodman said afterwards, uh, maybe the reality check, and it, it was exactly that. Um, yeah, we got the goal right before halftime. Great time to score. We then got a second, another great time to score just after the restart, and then it was just all model. I, uh, I really, I thought the players looked nervous for large parts of the, the game, and you could, you know, feel the crowd just going from you know, great enthusiasm to a lot quieter, and then by the end, of course, there was a definite, definite signs that the some of them were not happy at all, and it, it was very dis- disappointing because Motherwell went into the the game with nothing to say that they were going to come away with it. The fact that Kevin Van Veen got the winner is really annoying because he's obviously loves to play against Aberdeen and we're encouraging him, um, but. You know, there was very, very little to, to look back on Saturday and say, you know, that was, you know, there's lots of hope there. Uh, I think Jim Goodwin must have got a bit of a shock and his back backroom team as well, at, at just how poor we were on Saturday.
0: Yeah, the, the most calling thing for me, I think, Andrew, is that they did to us exactly what they've done every other time. As, as Dave said there, you know, they, they sort of bullied us out of the game at times. And when they did, nine times out of 10, it's, it's sort of crushing the smaller guys in the team, which they must have identified in advance as a possible weakness to exploit. Failures across the board, Andrew, but but anyone who stood out with pass marks? I mean, Shaden Morris, perhaps, in his Petaudry debut?
1: Yeah, I think um, Shaden Morris uh, showed promise in his debut. He's got a bit of pace, a bit of trickery. Um, But as I said, it was a collective um, all-round poor display. I thought the goalkeeper didn't inspire confidence. When you look at that second goal... That ball travelled an awful long distance, and, and where's it converted from? Almost in front of the goalkeeper's nose. Now I thought Kellarou should have been coming for that cross because um, it was it was an innocuous looking cross. Um, but uh, the the next goal, it's just a long clearance. It's played on. It's knocked into the middle. Spittle hits the bar. Van Veen's quickest to react and scores. It was just. It was so sloppy. And then the biggest disappointment for me was that there was no urgency shown towards the end of the game. Uh, time and again, we resorted to what we were doing last season, just playing the ball square. And to no one really that wanted to grab the game by the scruff of the neck and say, right, come on, I'm going to drive the team forward. Um just such a disappointing display after the promise of the previous week Uh, but it's only the third game of the season so I don't think we need to be pressing the panic button but as Dave said and as the manager said a wake-up call for all involved
0: Mm. Jim Goodwin spoke about a a bad day at the office and I did say last week maybe maybe we're not giving these players credit enough for for gelling so quickly and that, that could be a part of it I suppose that you know, when you've had such a complete squad overhaul, sometimes it's two steps forward and one back. But uh, it did, to me, look perhaps like the, the blueprint for beating us is the same as it's been the last week. while. Keep it compact, close us down quickly, beat us physically, score in the break. It, it's the sort of thing Mother will do, Livy do, Hearts will. Uh, you have to just hope that, as Jim says, it was a one-off. By the way, add to that list of teams, St. Johnson. Who are we playing next, Dave?
2: Yeah, and, and that's something that I'm sure the the guys that we're working on and training all week and making sure that we're not bullied because it was something that we, we certainly no, saw no signs of previously for this season, but uh, it was just disappointing. But as Andrew said, it's still very early days, plenty of time to, you know, to to make up lost ground. As we said, August is such a, an important month, all winnable games. The fact that we haven't won a game that was winnable just means we move on to the next one. And Games down at St. Johnson are never pretty. They're never anything other than do or horrible to watch, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But as long as we come out with three points, then
0: who cares? What do you do now, Andrew? As a response, do you just put it down as that flash in the pan, and, and for the best part, ignore it. You know, carry on in the same direction you were planning for the next match, or, or do you do something more? I mean, to me. Whether Leighton Clarkson was injured or not, I, I'd have been hooking him, moving Ross into midfield, scales back to centre and, and sort of filling that gap with with Jack or, or someone else. I thought it was crying out for that a good while before it happened, but it's easy to play a football manager, isn't it? Any changes that, that you would make in, in personnel or formation?
1: Well, it's interesting you say that, um, John, because um, Jim Goodwin said that um, it was a bad day at the office for everyone, himself included. So he maybe felt that he didn't make that change quickly enough because, unfortunately, Leighton Clarkson didn't have the influence in the game that we all hoped he would have. There were good signs again from him, uh, but uh, he gradually got sucked down by the the same overwhelming uh, sense of, you know, not quite despair, but um, a wee bit of despondency that seemed to run through the whole side uh, because things weren't going the way that they'd planned. Um, I, I, you can't just ignore it because there were definitely problems there that have to be addressed. Um, there's, I think you have to play Stewart and Scales together in central defence. There's, there's signs of a good partnership developing there, but Ross McCrory is much better deployed in a midfield role. Ilber Ramadani, who we've given loads of praise to, just had one of those days where nothing went right. But I have to give him credit, he never hid. It would have been very easy for him to just go, look boys, don't play the ball to me, I'm having a nightmare. Um, But he still got himself involved as much as he could in the game. Unfortunately, the more he got involved, the more, you know, <laughs> we got worse almost <laughs> because he was just having a horror story of a game.
0: You're, um, you're thinking about the run forward that he made where he, he sort
1: of <laughs> feigned left, feigned well, right, and then just completely and then messed just, up. He, he, I think he, he thought of, I'm Dennis Winas. Yeah. And step over, step over, step over, step oh. over. Oh, yeah, this is what Denzel quite often did. Just ran up a blind alley and went nowhere. Um, but... As I say, you have to give him credit for for at least you know still showing up, showing up, um, trying his best. But I'm sure that yesterday um, they were back in at Cormac Park. They were showing the whole game in forensic detail of as to where everything went wrong. And it's it's going to be very interesting to see the reaction that Jim Goodwin gets from them this week. First of all, in the training ground, then at McDermott Park on Saturday. Uh, I don't think he's going to make loads of changes. If Hayden Coulson is fit, I think he comes back in at left back. I'm not sure that Jack McKenzie is fully fit, but he's a very able deputy. If for any reason Coulson can't manage to get through 90 minutes, you're without Matty Kennedy and... Um, I know that uh, after the game, the manager said, well, I haven't had a chance to speak to the physios, but you saw Kennedy took that free kick and immediately clutched his hamstring, mm-hmm. turned to the bench and gave the signal, I'm going to have to come off. Um, players themselves know uh, when they've, they've hurt something and hurt it badly enough that they have to go off. That didn't look a good one. I think the Clarkson one may have been a bit of fatigue rather than than anything more sinister, but... As you mentioned, Shaden Morris, I thought, um, showed promise and he could come in and and play the role that Matty Kennedy does. But I think they've got to try and work out what the best midfield is going to be because that's where the game will be won and lost against St. Johnston, I think. And as Dave said, they're usually horrible games. It's never a great surface to play on. St. Johnston, play in a certain manner, it doesn't always work, but Callum Davison doesn't change it a lot. It's not there to entertain the public, I can assure you of that. But it's it's all down to rolling up the sleeves, digging in, doing better than your opposite number does and digging out a result.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That The next one, interesting for Don's fans because it's a way to St. Johnson win. Uh, all our new players will have another chance to play against one of those uh, that they replaced. Uh, Andy Constantine, no doubt relishing the match and can't wait. We'll see. Uh, St. Johnson versus Aberdeen. How is it going to go, Dave?
2: I don't think it'll be a goal fest, first and foremost. I think it'll be a very, very doer 1-0 win for us. Andrew?
1: I was going to go something similar, um, but um, <laughs> just just to change it up, I'll say 2-1 to Aberdeen. I hope that they can keep a clean sheet because the defence was a worrying side of things from Saturday because there were three very cheap goals that were conceded. We didn't look like scoring a lot, but Boyan Miowski has made an impact. Mm. There's no getting away from that. Um, so he can do the same down there. So I'll go 2-1 to Aberdeen, but one that at the end of the game will think, thank God that's finished. <laughs> what a
0: long seven days. You know, last
1: week, <laughs> 3-0, 5-0, 7. Yeah, okay.
0: Uh, well, in that case, I'll say 3-1. I'll, I'll, I'll retain some sense of enthusiasm. 3-1 for the mm. Dons. Next to, uh, to AFC women, and Emma Hunter described this year as uh, likely being a transitional season, as the churn of players means some have left and, and new blood's been drafted in from the under-19s. They started their account with a 3-1 loss away to Hamilton, followed this weekend past with the unenviable task of facing Rangers at Balmoral. That one ended, unfortunately, in an 8-0 Home defeat Rangers, unsurprisingly favourites to win the league again this season and showing no sign of being more concerned with their Champions League fixture this week. For the Dons, okay, perhaps uh, we we'll look at Rangers a little as a free hit, Dave. There's a bigger squad, professional players, more resources and investment all round. But an eight-nil defeat from anyone is one you have to carefully tackle as a management team in the aftermath, isn't it?
2: Yeah, it is um, because they've got a lot of young players. It's a young squad, and you don't want them to be too down after that, which is only natural. I, I'm sure that uh, Emma and Gavin will point out that you know Rangers scored 14 in the game previously. You know they, they are a league apart um, in terms, but but it was a, a sore win, and we showed last season against Rangers that we, you know, we we didn't beat them, but we took them to reasonable scorelines in the, the game it was at Patodry, and then also down at, at Ibrox as, as well. But uh, no, it's, it's one... I mean, I think this league with new teams that have come in, you know, like um, Glasgow women who, who are on the wrong end of that 14-0, it's, there's going to be... It's not just transitional for Aberdeen, it's transitional for so many mm. teams. So there will be some... Off the wall scorelines, unfortunately, before it settles down. Um, but it's important that the, the girls don't get get themselves too drawn down into the marks of murkiness of despair after that one. But uh, and I'm sure that they, they won't. Uh, you know, the, the management team will speak to them and, and get them with the right attitudes, so that they can turn around and go out and get the, the first competitive win of the season. And, and in the meantime, let's hope
0: that other teams are more transitional than we are. Uh, Aberdeen yeah. Women's next game uh, this coming weekend, Sunday, 21st August at Balmoral Stadium against Partick Thistle. Uh, mixed fortunes on league duty so far for the under-18s as they entered a week uh, with both cup and league fixtures to play. The first of those was in the SPFL Trust Trophy away to Broader Rangers on Tuesday. Uh, this actually went down as a reserve team fixture on the dawn's website, Andrew. I'm assuming that's because we we fielded a couple of the older players down the fringes of the first team training with that. Uh, scored
1: and, and not under eighteen. I really don't know. Oh, well. SPFL just come up with a, a different name for the the Premiership second strings. Yeah, um, yeah. there've been B teams. There've been Colts. Um, call them what they are. Yeah. It's not a first team game. Yeah, it ended uh, 2-0 for the Highland League leaders.
0: But all that controversy, Andrew, take us back through that.
1: It was always going to be a tough ask. Brora, always very strong at Dudgeon Park. Aberdeen probably had the better of the first half uh, and Alfie Bavage had the best chance of the first half, but couldn't convert. Then uh, Brora took the lead and the second goal had more than a hint of offside about it. Even the, the most diehard Brora fans were saying, that boy was miles offside when he <laughs> scored, but um, the officials didn't see it that way. Uh, Jack Milne controversially red-carded for a, a last-man challenge, which was a bit of a nothing challenge. There were players covering. Um, it was in the last minute of the game. Uh, the referee apparently was you know, almost in his pocket with a red card before Jack had made the challenge. So, um Just a disappointing game for Aberdeen. I think Scott Anderson, Barry Robson's assistant, said, you know, we really hoped that we could maybe take it to penalties. I think they realised it was going to be a tough ask to win that game. But uh, they bounced back. um, And Friday at Cormac Park, you could see that they had a tough game on Tuesday night because the first half of the game against Hearts, Aberdeen looked quite leggy, a bit lethargic, uh, didn't really get themselves into the game very much. Arts had the advantage of a fairly strong win behind them but didn't take full use of that. I thought they overhit too many balls forwards and didn't put any real pressure on Blessing Oli Yemi other than uh, a sort of cross comes shot from the left back that bounced off the bar. Um, but then second half, an early goal from Alfie Bavage. Uh, Settled Aberdeen down, there was a period of play where it was pretty even Stevens but again Aberdeen defended very solidly and then they got second and third goal very quickly one after the other, um, both from Babbage so that was a a hat-trick for him and then Liam Harvey put the icing in the cake with a fourth goal, probably not a 4-0 game in uh, as much as there wasn't that big a difference between the sides but good to see that you know once they got the bit between their teeth and got a second wind almost Aberdeen really um, played some good stuff scored four goals so that's 13 goals without reply at home so far they travel now to Hamilton this week uh, a Hamilton side that has won at Ochenhowie against Rangers has won at the Hibs training ground against Hibs who only lost once, and that was to Aberdeen uh, at their home patch last season. So that's going to be a tough game for Aberdeen. So it's going to be very interesting to see how they go this week. OK,
0: uh, to the Championship and Cove Rangers, who've had mixed fortunes uh, in the Championship so far. They, they laid it after one week. Defeating Raith Rovers 2 0 at home before losing away to Morton by the single goal last weekend, a Shea Logan mistake allowing Kotongo to score a superb volley. This weekend, it was a trip north to meet Inverness, Caledonian, Thistle, a team Cove had already met on Premier TV League Cup duty. That one ended in a 1 0 draw before Thistle won on penalties. This time, Cove not so fortunate, going down 4 1. Is this a case of a, a harsh election being dealt out when uh, we're moving up a league, Dave?
2: I think it's just a case of how competitive the championship's going to be you know we have played three games you've got our growth at the bottom uh, with two points and then d at the top with six points so every team is squeezed into the, uh, within four points of of the, the top of the league and I think the importance of winning games at home is can't be underestimated um so, you know, this weekend, Kovar back at home and that's going to be one that they really do need to to, to take all three points because I think points in the road are going to be a bonus. If you can keep winning your games at home, they will do OK. But nobody, I've said it a few times, nobody's going to run away with this league. It's just so, so competitive. Dundee lost at home in their first game, yet they're top of the league after three games. Mm,
0: OK, yeah. As you say, next up for Cove, they'll be happy to get back home. You'd imagine this Saturday they're at model against Air United. Uh, for Peter Head, again, a little bit up and down. Do you see a theme running through the show? Uh, or in their case, down, then up, as they came from behind to grab a 2-2 draw against Clyde last weekend. Saturday past, uh, They were the visitors at Falkirk looking to go one better and perhaps secure a win. Didn't go that way, though, Andrew. The home side winning 3-1 in the end, a Blue 2 manager Jim McAnally admitting on this occasion they were well beaten.
1: It's been up and down for Peterhead. I think every week you see another couple of players coming in. Uh, Jim's still trying to get his squad together, even though we're three games into the the league season. But um, I think Falkirk are going to be one of the main sides to be challenging at the top of League One this season. So no disgrace to, to lose down there. Um I've got a bit of an interest in Falkirk, I must admit, because uh Finn Yates, ex of Aberdeen Sunder 18s, and Seb Ross, ex of Aberdeen's development squad, both down there. And say, uh, you know, Finn Yates in particular has had a very, very good start to the season. Um, remember, you know, Hibbs went to a uh, Brockville or the Falkirk Cup Stadium, as they call it now, um, for a Premier Sports League Cup tie, came away with a defeat. So, no huge surprise that Peter Head lost that one. But um, Jim will be looking to get his his squad finalised as quickly as he possibly can, so that they can gel together. I think the opening sort of round of fixtures is going to be a, pretty much a story of ups and downs for a lot of clubs because um, I don't think Peter Head are alone. And, and still signing players and trying to get uh, a, a playing squad that they can see staying together for the next nine months um put together and and sort of finalized so um but again it's it's very very tight uh, in the lower divisions and you know uh, <laughs> you lose one one week you come up against another supposedly top team the next week and you beat them mm. you. Know, yeah. That's football, isn't it? Who knows what's coming next? Yeah, Peter, head back at Balmoura. <laughs> as you say, it, it's, a,
0: it's, a, it's a theme running through this programme. <laughs> yeah, uh, Peter, head back at Balmour, uh next weekend playing host to Queen of the South. In the Highland League early days, three teams locked on nine points at the top of the table heading into the weekend fixtures. All the Bs, Brora, Baki and Brechin. Uh, a couple of interesting matches in this weekend's games as new boys, Banks and e, travelled north to test themselves against the league leaders at Dungeon Park. And really Locos welcome Forrest in a fourth V fifth encounter here's how all those games ended Brewer Rangers three Banksa D nil Bucky Thistle eight Straths Bay Thistle nil for those who missed Fort William in the uh, in the early parts of this season I think Straths Bay might be taking that mantle uh, Devonville one Brecon City three for Martin United three Non County one Huntley one Rothis one inver Locos nil Forest Mechanics, one. Keith, two. Clach one. Lossy Mouth, nil. Fraserborough seven. Uh, Wick Academy, two. Tariff United, nil. Which means a change in leader at the top of the table, courtesy of goal difference. Uh, Bucky Jags now in pole position on 12 points. Matched by Brora, then Brecon. Champions of Fraserburgh tucked just behind on nine. in the juniors, Dave.
2: First of all, you're just hoping that the BBC might change their mind about, say, reading out the classifiers, John. That yeah, was absolutely. Very well I thought, I thought <laughs> we'd take
0: them on board, seeing as how Radio 5 have dumped them.
2: Yeah. Uh, first of all, the draw for the quarterfinals of the Grill League Cup resulted in dice at home to Rothy Rovers. Stonywood Parkville versus Cooter. Colony Park against New Elgin. And Lossiemouth United against East End. Ties to be played on the 3rd of September. The Premier League results from the weekend, East End 2, Colony Park 2, Dufftown 0, Cooter 2, Ellen United 2, Bankry St Ternan 1, Hermes 6, Nairn St Deney 0, Montrose Rose Lee 0, Don Thistle 1, Stonehaven 2, Dice 1, and Stonywood Parkville 0, Mod 1, uh, which means that Hermes still taught the league on goal difference and Sunnybank do likewise in the Championship after a 4-0 win away to Burghead Thistle. There's a full or almost a full programme of... I'll I'll say it, the NRGFA Premier League um, tonight, as well as the Championship. Pick of the games, I think Colony Park, who are undefeated this season, they entertain Hermes in the league, kick off at 7 o'clock this evening, and I think it'll be quite wet for those ones. But uh, the midweek fixtures, I think we've got another two weeks to go, and then we're back to the manager's preference, which is just playing every Saturday and not having to try and field teams that have been at work all day uh, during the day and sometimes not able to to play. So you get some silly results at this time of the year.
0: Okay, that is pretty much it for episode 44 of Potaldri PS, an update on all the northeast sport, as well as uh, an update on Potaldri Paratechnic Protocol. We aim to publish every week on a Tuesday if we can, always looking back to the Don's previous fixtures and ahead to the next. Please remember to follow us on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you could rate and review us, tell us what you think of the show as well, we'd be very grateful. Thanks for checking out petaldry PS. We'll see you next time.